there was a message I did want to share, and I'm just going to take a few minutes, if it's okay with you, because this message really comes from Acts chapter 18, verse 17. It says, Then they all turned on Sothenus, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. I wanted to take a moment and just share with you an, an account. It's kind of an interesting story, but such a short little verse there that is filled with so much meaning and a story behind it. The Apostle Paul had been ministering in the city of Corinth, and he had been going for some time, months actually, and he was talking about how salvation was no longer in the law, but in Jesus Christ. He was committing himself to a good work, doing a good work for the kingdom. Now, the Jews, who had become very angry with this, had sought ways to stop him from speaking. They wanted him to quit. He wouldn't. He was anointed and called by God to do this. So a mob began to form. And on this particular occasion, uh, they thought this mob, this almost a riot gathering together, thought they could get the ear of Rome to their advantage. And so they sought to meet with the proconsul of Acacia. His name was Gallio. They would have a meeting. And they would accuse Paul of breaking the laws of Israel. Uh, Acts chapter 18, 13, they said, this man is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Now, here's the funny part. Um, I mean, that's a big deal to an orthodox mob, but uh, peanuts to Rome. Gallio couldn't be bothered. Wasn't worth his time. Frivolous, petty. He had no interest in meddling in the affairs of these Jews. And so he dismissed it, just outright dismissed it. The problem with that is the mob is not dispersed. The mob is angry. Where do you take out your frustrations? Where do you vent? And within a matter of seconds, uh, this began to turn bad. Paul is dismissed. He's gone. I mean, Paul was even told ahead of time, don't worry about this. If you go back to verse, 19 to verse 9 to 13, God had actually visited Paul and said, Paul, don't, don't you worry. Don't you fear. Nobody's going to hurt you. You boldly proclare the gospel. And then in verse 10, God said, and this is an interesting verse, God said, For I am with you, Paul. No one is going to attack you or harm you because I have many people in this city. It almost sounds like God's got his hit squad. They're going to rescue you. They're going to come in and get you out of there. But that's actually not what God had in mind. He said here, because I have many people in this city. Well, he did. He did. But not the way they thought. So with Gallio gone, the apostle Paul nowhere in sight. What's the crowd going to do? How do they vent their anger? There's no newsstands to trash. There's no police cars to tip over and set on fire. But there is this guy by the name of Sothenus. Some of the crowd had made eye contact with him and noticed that he had been hanging with Paul. He was a good law-abiding Jew. Matter of fact, if he's the same Sothenus that we read of in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Paul called an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sothenus, our brother. So he was a brother. Sothenus was believed by the historians to be a leader at the synagogue who converted to Christianity from Judaism. So here's the point. Gallio does not grant them their wish. 
but they find a replacement. If they can't have Saul, Sothenus, well, he'll do. Suddenly, Sothenus wished he wasn't so visible. Before he could think twice, before he could offer Saul a defense, he was surrounded by the mob, and he was under assault. Like lightning, the crowd moved upon him. And the Bible says they began to beat him. I mean, I wonder how that felt. I mean, we just need to slow this down a little bit. He's surrounded. They move in on him. Perhaps somebody pushes him. Another pushes him. Another slaps him. Grabs him. Next thing he knows, he's being punched. He tells himself to relax. He can take it. It'll be over in no time. Somebody will come to his rescue, surely. Maybe if he could just, you know, minimize the pain, use some techniques. But it's useless. Blow after blow, powerful blow, like bolts of electricity shooting through his body, his chest, side of his face. They beat on that next. Perhaps his legs, his groin. Hellish echoes of pain uh, echo from him. And he thinks to himself, they're trying to kill me. I'm not going to survive this reverberating, agonizing pain continues to go through him. Then they take to the clubs, the boots, the side of his face. Where do you go from this? How do you escape such moments? I believe all of this happened because of one fundamental thing. And that's the point of today. Sophonis stood too close to the vision. All this because he stood too close to the vision. Sometimes serving Jesus means you become the surrogate punching bag. Sometimes being passionate for Christ means that you're going to be the focus of aggression. And you shouldn't be surprised because Jesus actually did this for you. He took on your pain. And now you face the punishment. When Calvary was all said and done, the scriptures tell us, Something in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. How do you rejoice and be glad when you're being beaten because you're simply standing close to your passion and vision? Peter would say years later in 1 Peter chapter 2, 21, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. In other words, sometimes the devil takes a swing at God and ends up hitting, hitting you in the nose and bloodying your nose. And sometimes being in the right place with God, passionate for him, can feel like being in all the wrong places with others. And sometimes people who think their problems are with other people are really mad at God. But you get the brunt. And uh, they figure if they can't hit God, they'll hit the next best thing, and that's you. And that's me. Sometimes we take it for the team. And the Bible says rejoice, be glad. Perhaps you stand up for justice if you're a teenager in your school for something that's not right and you're ridiculed, maybe expelled from school. Perhaps you volunteer to help out in church kids ministry because the pastor asked you, we need help. And then all hell breaks loose in your home. 
Perhaps you help an elderly lady or somebody who's just in need. Perhaps you want to give to the work of the kingdom and your family turns on you and say that you're trying to steal their inheritance. No wonder the enemy of our soul causes us to want to say, forget it. Who needs this? I'll retreat back to the safety of showing up on Sunday mornings and doing nothing, volunteering for nothing. I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to make myself known. I'm just going to slip into the crowd. I'm not going to volunteer. Why serve? It's not worth it. That's what the enemy wants. Maybe it's in your home life. Maybe you fight the kids to go to church. Maybe you're fighting your husband or wife who won't go with you. Maybe you fight your family who hates the church that you've chosen to attend. And you say, why bother? What's the use? I think that one of the most revealing lines in this story regarding Sothenus is found the last part of verse 17. It says, then they all turned on Sothenus, the synagogue ruler, and beat him. We read that earlier. But here, but Gallio showed no concern whatsoever. I think maybe that's one of the saddest parts of the story. That in the midst of all this, no one seems to care that you're getting beat up. And, I mean, maybe don't knock Gallio. I mean, where was Paul? Paul's the one you're taking it for. And he's nowhere near. He didn't step in for Sothenus defense. It can be a lonely place when you become passionate follower of Jesus. That's my point. If you seek to follow him with all your heart, it can be a lonely place. And you're going to take it for the team. Sometimes when you really love something, it requires you to move from the safety of standing by to the danger of standing up. But believing in something is going to require you not only to stand up, it will also often require you to stand alone and take it on the chin for God and his church. 1 Peter 2.20 But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it? This is commendable before God. So, loved ones, I anticipate one day we will stand before God, and when he reviews our lives, and we have taken it for the vision, taken it on behalf of someone else, taken it because of a correct passion for God, I believe we will see the Son of God smile and tell us, well done, good and faithful servant, and then it will be worth it all. Stand up. Stand alone. Be true to your passion. You're going to take it on the chin because you are standing close to the vision God has for you. Let it be, and may you be strengthened. I want to pray for you before we go. So, Father, I pray, strengthen each one who is watching this, that we would not be afraid to stand up for you, like Sothenus, who took it for Paul, who took it for the vision, simply because he was in the right place at the wrong time. And God, many of us, it's easier to quit. It's easier to, to back away. But God, I pray that we would stand up, stand true, be men and women of integrity, youth of integrity, kids of integrity. God, I pray that you would strengthen us and give us courage to be true to you. This day forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for that little time that we've had together, that little devotional. I trust it's helpful. Again, uh, a joy having you today. And we look forward to you again joining us next week. Lord bless.